Well, the rest of you can turn, we'll start with Luke chapter 1 if you want to find yourself there. We're going to begin uh, this Sunday, a first Sunday in Advent, with uh, our, our Advent theme. It's, uh, it's called Reveal. Reveal, light in the darkness. Uh, we live in dark times, and that darkness is spreading, if you haven't realized it. It seems like the, the menacing clouds have spread its dark shadow across the, across the land. You got the reporting of sexual harassment across the news. You have online pornography at its all-time high. You've got atheists who are determined on eradicating any mention of God in town halls, in schools, and sporting events. I'm sure it's probably a little offensive to say Merry Christmas to somebody at this time of year as well. You've got drug addiction as an epidemic in many parts of the country. You have mass shootings that are going on. No longer it's a rare occurrence. And they happen also in churches, as well as historically safe places like schools and public venues. Definitely dark times. And the Bible is clear that moral and spiritual darkness has always been the case for a world that rejects and refuses to acknowledge God. Describing a godless culture that hates God the Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. He said, They became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Moral darkness regularly leads to unruly and disobedient living that defies God's commandments and His principles, which then sets the stage for lifestyles and behavior that eventually reap destructive consequences. Franklin Graham said this about these, these days. He said, What I believe is happening today that I certainly haven't seen in my lifetime is the incredible swift spread of darkness across virtually every sector of our culture, here at home and in practically every region of the globe. The Christian worldview that once was predominant has, been, has, has seen some serious erosion going on. The forces of evil working on every front to undermine and destroy the foundations of a morally healthy society. Things like respect for authority. Things like the sacredness of the marriage union between a man and a woman. Things like the sanctity of life for the unborn as well as the elderly. Things like our freedom to take a stand for values that we know are right. The Bible is clear. That such moral chaos comes because people reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 3, verses 19, 20, it says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. <clears throat> darkness. It's our time, it's these, these days. And Jesus, though, is the light of the world. In fact, there is no light other than Christ. And those who walk in darkness are those who don't know the Savior of the world, the author of light. For those of us who have repented of our sins and placed our faith in Jesus Christ, as Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. And Paul put it this way as he described the Lord's commandment to him in his preaching in Acts chapter 26. 
verses 17 and 18, Paul said this, what God was telling him, I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So hell itself is not only the absence of light, but it is complete and utter and total darkness. The scriptures call it outer darkness, a place that is reserved exclusively for the devil, fallen angels, and also unrepentant mankind. But the light that is from above, the light of the world, will be the single source of all light in the new heaven and the new earth, as Revelation chapter 22, verse 5 tells us. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And we know that no matter how great and wide the spread of darkness over the world may be, it can never extinguish the true light. As John chapter 1, verse 5 tells us, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So it's our responsibility as believers, as followers of Jesus, to let our light shine before men and to honor and glorify God by our good works and godly life, regardless, regardless of how evil the culture has become. The Bible calls us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, to be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So during this Advent season, we're going to look into what it means to shine as lights in the world as we journey through this Advent theme of Reveal. Light in the darkness. So today, we'll ask the question, how will you reveal Jesus' light in your life? We'll see through Mary's prayer in, in uh, Luke chapter 1 what that looks like. And then through the theme of, of personal praise today, we'll discover that like Mary, our hearts should overflow in praise to God. Now next Sunday... We'll ask the question, how will you reveal Jesus' light in your world? We'll look at Zechariah's prophecy, found in Luke chapter 1. And then through the theme of global transformation, we'll discover that Advent can be a life-transforming experience as we receive Christ as our Savior. The third uh, Sunday of Advent, we'll hear from the choir, and they'll be singing during that time. But we'll also ask the question, how will you reveal Jesus' light in your community? We'll look at the shepherds and the angels' praise, as found in Luke chapter 2. And through the theme of local witness, we're going to discover that during Advent, we can renew our praise to the Lord. And then on our last Sunday of Advent, we'll ask the question, how will you reveal Jesus' light in your legacy? And we'll look at Simeon's prophecy in Luke chapter 2. And then also through the theme of, gospel, of the gospel's endurance, we'll discover that Simeon provides an example of an enduring life in the Spirit. And I trust through these next few Sundays, we can learn more about what it means to shine or reveal Jesus' light in this dark world. So today we're going to be looking at Mary's prayer, found in Luke chapter 1. And again, we should realize and hopefully discover and find out 
that our hearts should overflow in praise to God. If you haven't turned there yet, Luke chapter 1, verse 46 is where we're going to start. And we'll read through this, uh, this prayer, this song that Mary has. Luke chapter 1, verse 46, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. I think expecting could be a good word. Good word here for Mary. <laughs> this is clearly a word we could use to describe this pregnant young woman. This teenage virgin carrying the hope of the world inside of her. But it is a word that pointedly describes the entire nation of Israel as well. And even also to the whole world. Expecting. After generations of waiting and hoping, expecting the arrival of the Messiah, the moment has come. The long wait of God's people is about to find some fulfillment. And the joy of generations echoes here in Mary's song that I just read. Mary was overwhelmed. Wouldn't you <laughs> be approached by an angel saying, you're the one. She could hardly believe God had chosen her to be the mother of the Messiah. And she came from humble beginnings, lived a humble life, yet as Luke Chapter 1, verse 48 tells us, from now on, all generations will call her blessed. And while visiting her cousin Elizabeth, Mary is moved by the Holy Spirit and begins to rejoice. From the depths of her heart and soul, she gives, if you will, birth to a stirring song and prayer, reflecting on God's goodness to her. In gratitude for the Lord's favor, she gave, gave voice to her praise. It's called the Magnificat. So named for the verse, first word of the, of the Latin version of it. And it provides an example for our praise as well. So let's discover how, joyful, how a joyful heart glorifies God, just like Mary's did. So first we see here in verses 50, as well as verses 54 and 55, that a joyful heart glorifies God for His mercy. A joyful heart glorifies God for His mercy. Now, God blessed Mary because she believed, in contrast to another guy called Zechariah. That was Elizabeth's husband, whom God cursed temporarily with loss of speech because of his unbelief. Now, Mary, I don't believe it was an unbelief. It was like, wow, <laughs> me, really, okay, as you, as you wish, <laughs> be able to allow God to use her in an incredible way. Mary's song is also very similar to Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1-10. through 10. And it sounds like many psalms that praise God for His mercy as you read 
this song of Mary's. In verse 50, may, Mary may have had in mind God's description of himself to Moses, when in Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, he says, showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. God showed mercy when instead of destroying everyone with water, he saved Noah and his family and gave them a new beginning. God's mercies, always. And God showed his mercy through Abraham, whose family he chose to bless the world with the, with the scriptures, with salvation, and also too with the Savior. My question to you is, how have you experienced God's mercies? How have you experienced them? Evidently, they never come to an end, and they are new every morning. As the familiar song describes, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies, they are new. They are new every morning. A joyful heart glorifies God for His mercy. Also, in verses 51 and 52, a joyful heart glorifies God for His mighty deeds. His mighty deeds. With the psalmist in, in Psalm 77, verse 12, Mary could say, I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. And that's what Mary was doing at that moment. Just considering what God has done for her and all the things He has done. You know, for centuries, when the people of Israel thought of God's mighty deeds, they remembered their deliverance from Egypt. They remembered their deliverance from the plagues, the crossing of the sea, the Red Sea, uh, the manna in the wilderness, God's provision of a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. They, just, they would go back to that and remember God's mighty deeds in that way. And Mary was in the process of witnessing another mighty deed, the virgin birth of Christ through God's appointed servant, Mary. Wow, that is a mighty deed. What mighty deeds of God have you experienced in your life? What Egypts has He delivered you from? How has He helped you cross your Red Sea or provided manna in your wilderness? How has He been your pillar of cloud by day in fire by night. Sometimes we just have to open up our eyes and see, realize God is with us. Emmanuel, we have a Savior who will never forsake us, never leave us. He is there, and we can experience those mighty deeds going on within our, within our life or maybe around us too, and we can rejoice with those people as well. A joyful heart glorifies God for His mercy and also His mighty deeds. And then thirdly and finally, a joyful heart glorifies God for His generosity. Found in verse 53. And maybe Mary had meditated on Psalm 34, 8, as well as verse 10, which says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Yeah, she was right there realizing what's going on in the situation. She was glorifying God for His generosity in her life. God has a long history of blessing His people. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 68, verse 19, he said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. 
That's the new King James Version. Daily loads us with benefits. He does. You just got to go back and take a look at the last few days you've had. And, and you know, it might have been difficult days, but still, there were blessings there somewhere along the line. He loads us with his benefits. Advent is a good time to remember generosity. As Proverbs 11, verse 25 tells us, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. How much do you want to be refreshed? (laughs) Generosity is something that we need to not only realize during this time of year where we're giving gifts to someone better to give than to receive, it's also good to realize those who are in need and, and be generous to them as well during this time of year, Christmas season. But also, I, I would submit to you that don't just leave it for December. Practice it there, the other 11 months of the year as well, too. If you see a need in someone's, peop- in, in someone's life, um, ask God if it's something that you need to help out with in some way. Of course, go to God in prayer first. Don't just step out and do it. Because sometimes, sometimes... God has that person in that situation because they want to give him, get, he wants to get his attention. And if we come alongside and go, oh, here's, here's provision, then there's no way of that person, well, at that moment, you're getting in the way of God. So be prayerful in that as you consider being generous to someone and then move forward as you have that answer from God. But a generous man will prosper and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So a joyful heart glorifies God for His mercy, for His mighty deeds, as well as for His generosity. That's what a joyful heart does. And that's what we see what Mary is doing here too. Her joyful heart, the expression of that. So how does your soul glorify the Lord? How does your soul glorify the Lord? We see what Mary did and how her soul is glorifying God. In what day? In what? What does your spirit rejoice? There's a lot of things we, a lot of things we can rejoice in. We rejoice in that the Cowboys won this weekend. We can rejoice in the fact that uh, the Ducks lost or something, right, Beaver fans? Or we can rejoice in other things too that that we have we uh, we have benefits and whatever else are going on in our life. We get have good health or we have whatever else it is. We can rejoice in a lot of things in that way, but what, what does your spirit rejoice in? Your spirit rejoices in a moment of when someone comes to the Lord? Your spirit rejoices in the fact that a saint has gone to heaven? Your spirit can rejoice. There might be a little conflict there, though, with emotions. What does your spirit rejoice in? In what ways has God been merciful to you? Think about it. Without God's mercy, we'd be dust. What mighty deeds has He accomplished on your behalf? Something that was impossible, and you thought it's not going to happen. I see no way this thing being accomplished or this thing happening. And then in the 11th hour, God comes through and His mighty deeds comes through on your behalf. How has He shown His generosity toward you? You The hymn tells us to count our blessings. Name them one by one. 
There are many blessings we have from God. We need to start counting. We need to start naming them as well. How has He also stimulated your heart to be generous during this Advent season? What is it that you should be doing that He's instructing you to do? And are you willing for Him to touch you and speak to you and work through you in generous ways? And this Advent season could be one of a special kind, maybe different from any of, of, them, of the past. As we come before God and we rejoice and with a joyful heart, rejoice in His mercies, in His, in His mighty deeds, and His generosity towards us, and turn that right around to those around us that we love as well. I'm going to ask Annie and the worship team to come on up. They're going to lead us in a couple songs here. And as they do, considering the personal praise, the theme of personal praise, as we come to God and we're praising Him individually, how will you reveal Jesus' light in your life? Because this dark world desperately needs to see hope. This dark world desperately needs to see that there's an answer to all that's going on. Who do you know that needs a word of mercy this week? Who do you know? Ask God to bring a name to your mind. Maybe some in your circle of influence has forgotten the mighty deeds God has done on their behalf. Or maybe Satan has blinded them to the blessings they take for granted. Pray that in some gentle way, you may be able to remind them. Remember, truth is always better received when it's served in love. And who could you show a generous spirit to this week? And how will you do it? What's the plan? It's great to hear a message from God, Scripture being uh, spoken and all this, but what are you going to do about it? I think that's the biggest thing. What, how are you going to respond to what God is speaking to you today? If Jesus Christ is the light of your life, how are you revealing Jesus' light in your life? Trust God will help you with that answer, and trust God will continue to guide you as we continue on and worshiping Him in the song.